It is. Now, as soon as we get Elena back, we'll start up. And is that a cow pasture? No. Uh, no, it's not. I can only see the seed heads. So I alluded earlier, I mentioned that there's uh, another plant here that is um, very specific to our region that is sought, sought after outside of our region. So I was talking about harvesting things bioregionally that send them elsewhere. And probably the most significant plant that we have like that in the southwest, with perhaps the exception of Yerba Mansa, which you could say extends beyond the southwest. But the one that's probably got the most hubbub around it and certainly the highest valued, highest priced wild harvested herb in the southwest. Well, for us, yes, in a, in a narrow market but even more so is OSHA. We always write it or see it written with an accent after the A. So O-S-H-A with an accent over the A. Everyone just says OSHA, but that name really is OSHA. And that name comes from, again, that same culture I was talking about, from central Colorado into south into northern New Mexico. Basically, the, the area of the Rockies that were settled by Spanish people from all over the kingdom of Spain that eventually to some extent or another commingled with the native peoples of that area either culturally and or genetically that they procreated with them. So that's where the name Osha comes from. And then another common name for that plant is bear root. Um, and another name that I use what's common going south of here and actually in this region is the common name, or was traditionally, is chuchupate, or as I learned from Myron's dad, chuchupaste, chuchupatli is another one. This is all derived from the Nahuatl or Aztec language. And um, yeah, so there's a lot that can be said about the names of Osha. And before I say too much more, the plant that Ila, and we'll get close, but the plant that Ela was thinking was cow parsnip is actually osha in, in seed over there. And then we have some osha in front of us. If you guys want to stay there for a moment, I will point it out so you can see it at a distance. Here we have some in seed. Here we have it just in leaf. See the yellowing leaves back there? That's how you can begin to tell OSHA apart from the other foliage in the fall. But there's one, one confounding plant out here, and that's the fern, bracken fern, which also gets yellow. So at a distance, even to me at this time of all my experience with it, I can still you know, get quickly fooled that that might be OSHA. So it's turning, at least turning my head often enough. But this is all, and then there's one bracken fern right in here. So what, just for the sake of uh, ease, what I'm going to do is pull off, see how we can pass this around first, and I'm going to talk about the names a little bit out here. I'm going to stand in the shade if you guys don't. Don't mind, you can stand in the sun if you want to. So, Osha, most commonly people say Osha. Osha is how that is traditionally pronounced. 
going south of here, traditional name Chuchipate. Bear root is sort of the anglicized translation of a variety of the traditional names. Um, locally, we would have probably the, to my knowledge, the oldest cultural context for working with this plant would be the Hopi. And Zuni live a lot closer. I don't know what they call it though. Um, but the Hopi name for this plant is Hunaupi. In their language, Hunau means bear. Naupi means root. I think I'm saying that pretty much correct. Someone would probably correct me, but more or less correct. So bear root is the Hey there. Where's your forerunner? You'll see it up the road. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm well the equipped. Open. Oh, great. And it's a great bird spot, too. It is. Nice. Some of those coming off the rim. Beautiful. You Hope you had a good time. You guys have a great day. You too. Thanks. Is that where we were going to camp? No, no. I just ran into him yesterday. So, uh, so there you have the origin, you could say, of the name Bear Root in the Hopi language, Hunaupi. However, it's possible that some other traditional names for it also reflected that knowledge. And it goes back in various cultures, Native American and otherwise, that a bear taught people how to use, utilize the, the herbal medicines in their area. It's even stories from China like that. So, uh, interestingly enough, the, the Navajo name that I've heard most commonly for this plant, or the only name I think I've heard in Navajo language, is Napi. Now, if I've asked the Navajo what that means, they've never been able to tell me it's just the name for the plant. <laughs> and when I try to, occasionally I've, I've mentioned that um, Hunaupi, which sounds somewhat similar, is the Hopi name for the plant, it means bear root, but I've never really been engaged in much of a discussion <laughs> with that. But it's evidence to me that the Navajo learned about this plant from the Hopi. And another really interesting uh, discovery in the traditional naming of this plant within this region, I met a Laguna woman and her husband, who's Lakota, um, at their home in, um, in Bellingham, Washington, or where they were living at the time. They were selling their jewelry on the street, and we just got into a conversation. I was asking them about plants in in the southwest and if they might know of any and so she, yeah she was aware of ocean asked her what is your what is your people's name for that plant and, and she had to think for a second and then she said shush, shush. <laughs> she wasn't telling me to be quiet but she was giving me the name for the plant and in fact i don't think she was aware of this she in fact she wasn't when i told her that that's the navajo name for bear <laughs> So there's an odd turn of events there. I, I don't know where that, how that all came about. But in Laguna Pueblo, which is, you could say, within the four sacred mountains of the Navajo, um, that's where the Laguna exists and have existed for many centuries. And that's the name they have for the plant. And I know many other names for it. You know, the, the Yaqui have their own name. The Tarumada have their own name. This particular plant that I passed around and if you guys each if you've all seen it already if you want to taste the seed taste the green seed the the range of this species Ligusticum porteri is as far north as uh, 
it goes into a little bit of southern Montana and extends all the way down towards Mexico City. However, from what I'm told, it has been largely extirpated from the Sierra Madre in Mexico because of the herb trade over centuries, apparently. I have seen it in, in Chihuahua and Sonora in the mountains, and it is nowhere as abundant as it can be in some locales here, and then certainly northern New Mexico and southwest Colorado is the epicenter of it. In fact, if anyone has been on the, the Sonoran Herbalist Facebook page, I changed the banner photo on there a little while back, and it's looking down from uh, the San Juan Mountains towards Mesa Verde, and last month the whole hillside was just covered with osha blossoms. It was a treeless hillside that had thousands, if not tens of thousands, of osha plants all across it. There's a lot to say about this plant. So one of the, one of the common concerns and the, um, you know, one of the things you kind of like have to say about it when you're discussing it, have to stress, is that it looks a lot like poison hemlock. Be careful, don't harvest poison hemlock. However, I think if you've been digesting a small portion of this program, and the things that I've been trying to convey, with just a little bit of instruction, you would not have a difficult time identifying the two. If you just jump from, oh yeah, my buddy told me about this, and I'm going to go get this, or here's a picture in this book, and oh, I think that's it. You know, you can, if you don't engage in that sort of quick jump to harvest a plant, I think you can pretty readily differentiate the two. And I'll go into the specifics of that throughout this discussion. But one here is the seed pod. Um, these winged seed, the winged seed is a very common trait throughout the Apiaceae or celery family, which was previously um, the um, umbelliferae, yeah, or the umbrella family, because all the, the inflorescences can appear somewhat like an umbrella, even either upside down or right side up you know, cilantro, parsley are in this family. The, um, just totally drew a blank on the other L. Love, Love No, well, there's another genus um, often used for viral infections. Lomatium? Lomatium, thank you. Lomatium seeds are known for having even larger wings. But uh, that type of cough right there is an excellent application of OSHA. Uh, kind of a hot yet congested um, fluid-filled cough. So it's stimulating and exp uh, in removing the, the phlegm will help expectorate and uh, enhance blood flow to the pleural lining. Anyway, we'll go more into that, but the difference between this seed and poison hemlock, and granted the leaves of osha and poison hemlock look very, very similar. You can hold them side by side, pick one off one plant, pick one off the other, mix them around and not really be able to tell them apart. I've studied the two of them and tried to find something really consistent that is 
easy to explain, and there's there's nothing. Um, but anyhow, there are other other ways to differentiate the plant. And one is the seeds. How there is a bit of a belly if you hold the seed on its side. Um, how to put this? It is somewhat flattened already, but it's not so flattened as it is somewhat rounded on the sides. Whereas the poison hemlock is going to be more flat. But poison hemlock has the ridges around it too? It also has the ridges, yeah. Uh, is poison hemlock located here? Yeah. <laughs> if you taste on occasion, you can find them side by side. But don't worry, we'll get, we'll get to all that. You'll all feel totally equipped if you don't already to differentiate the two. It's, it's really a no-brainer if, if you're engaged and thinking it through. It's not like you're playing Russian roulette whenever you, you gather it. There's clear, distinctive traits that can distinguish the two. But, like I said, there are traits that make them indistinguishable if you're only focused on certain things. The smell, for one, like the taste of the seed, is going to be largely present in Osha, Osha, Chuchupate, but not present at all in uh, poison hemlock. If you eat one little seed of poison hemlock, will you be okay? You'll, you'll live, uh -oh. but that's where the, the most potent toxins reside, oh. in the seeds. Okay. So best not to test it. Good thing you asked, Tori. So we've talked about the name. Um, Ligusticum does originally derive from a European plant. We have Ligusticums in Europe. We have Ligusticums coast to coast in North America. We have Ligusticums in Asia. It's a circumboreal plant. And in most, in, I would say everywhere that it grows, people either have a, an appreciation for it, if not a great reverence for the variety of Ligusticums that exist. To my knowledge, Ligusticum porteri on this continent has the greatest amount of cachet or sort of uh, substance behind its name and how people value it. You could say the most highly valued herb within this region and even beyond, going up into the Rockies and south into Mexico. Um, in fact, people utilize it not just for internal and topical medicines, but as a talisman for warding off snakes, um, and not just for warding off snakes, but for using a tea or a spit of the, you know, to, to, uh, for the actual smell to ward off rattlesnakes. Or as Phyllis Hogan has often told the story of the, the yaki woman that she used to go um, out into the desert with, you know, 20, 30, or maybe even 40 years ago, she would put little pieces of the root in her shoelaces uh, when she would go walking in the desert as to ward off the, the rattlesnakes. And some friends of mine in Hopi, when I, f I took, I was the first person they told me that wasn't a member of the family that they let their, their son go with. He was six at the time, and he went with me on a overnight camping trip. And uh, I was watching his mom. We were going to go swimming, I told her. So she gave him some osha root and some white cornmeal. And both of those things were to be put on the shore before he went into the water and prayed with to protect him when he went into the water. So there's a, there's a power that people uh, um, view the Osha root with. Healing, protection, uh, 
um, not just warding off snakes, but you could say snakes for some people would even symbolize some sort of uh, malevolent, aggressive force that would be coming after you for whatever reason. Or just the inherent dangers of life. So, very, very important and powerful plant in a lot of ways. And um, another thing that you would likely hear, uh, certainly from Michael Moore and um, hopefully from other herbalists as well, that this area that we're in here in particular, it's somewhat marginal. And that's why we're going to do just a single harvest of one root um, or harvest of a plant, we'll say, uh, instead of all of us going to harvest. And yeah, if we walked around, we could find enough, but I'd rather instill the concept of conservation and, um, uh, how to put it, gradual observation of this plant. I've been doing some testing with harvesting in this area, and it's interesting. There's basically two different presiding presumptions about how to harvest OSHA, and they're kind of exact opposites of each other. And one school of thought will be that you only harvest the root crown. You just come and harvest that up. And then, and this was taught to my friend by a Tarumara man who ran, I believe, ran the ethnobotany program at Fort Lewis College for a number of years. My friend went there over a decade ago. But that's what he was taught on how to harvest OSHA. And I was taught the exact opposite from Hopi's. Um, after the fact, when I brought them some roots with the little hairs on top, which we'll see when I'm talking about what the little hairs actually are, this, she said, oh no, don't use that. Just use the smaller ones. And I understand that as um, a practice, a cultural practice that instilled conservation of the plant. Arguably, if people were just only harvesting this plant, you know, with hand tools and their ability to get to it on a horse or by by foot, I don't think there'd be much concern with over-harvesting <laughs> because there's enough things to do in life that you could never possibly do it, I don't think. But now with industrial machinery, you know, someone could arguably come out here with a with a backhoe and take up everything that they could get to. And that happens with herbs in other locations that have a high high value on the market i.e. echinacea, um, black cohosh, golden seal, maybe even ginseng. Anyhow, um, so what we're doing today is, a, is, is an experiment, is an exploration, so you can all have the experience of working with OSHA and, and knowing the proper way, what I consider the proper way of harvesting it. And um, have that knowledge when you go out and seek other viable populations. Now it's been stated that it's virtually impossible to cultivate. However, there's a man named Sean Sigstedt in northern Colorado near Steamboat, and he supposedly has cultivated it in, in Gamble Oak Groves. So it's interesting, you know, there's areas where you find OSHA growing, and if you go to that area again somewhere else, there may be no OSHA whatsoever. And it's not just one particular habitat. As I mentioned, Gamble Oak Groves even within this vicinity where we're at right now, you will find OSHA in Gamble Oak Groves and not at all in Gamble Oak Groves. Where our campus set up is a ponderosa pine Gamble Oak Grove. 
with maybe a little bit of dug fur, no OSHA there whatsoever. And we can walk for hours and days, if not weeks, throughout this mountain range through spruce, fir, aspen forest and not see a single OSHA plant. Yet, in this location there is some. I don't know if anyone can answer why that is. But there's some distinct qualities, it seems, about certain locales that allows for the OSHA to proliferate. And another great thing about it, or something that's great about OSHA, is that it will actually respond very well to fire. So I think we're actually seeing more OSHA in the past several years. In fact, I'll, I'll mention another thing real quick. The two best times for scouting OSHA in this area, and generally speaking, is uh, early July and late August. Early July, it's going to flower, and it'll stand out. You might confuse it with young uh, elder when it's flowering. Um, and then in late August, you're going to see all of its leaves turn yellow, and that can make it stand out from majority green vegetation. It'll turn yellow, not because of dehydrate. The ground could be totally wet, but the leaves will turn yellow because it's aging and the energy is going back into the root. So it actually goes to flower and seed relatively quickly. These plants that are in, in seed now that are maturing, it's been maybe six weeks, if that, since they flowered. So I gathered some seeds, actually I sat with the plant, um, did something similar several years ago with a small group and in fact we each, uh, each day we'd go to a location and um, well part of what we did was we'd each pick a plant for about two hours and we'd go and sit with it and people might uh, draw a sketch of it and um, eat a bit of it and just sit in a meditation with the plant find a plant that was calling to you and sit with it. And I did that with Osha. And I was called to eat um, one of the green seeds. And I found it had a, a particularly strong effect on my eyes, and especially one eye that, the eye that I don't see out of as well. So I was led to make a tincture out of it. And it's been a consistently reliable effect that I found. I don't know if any of you were paying attention to that or might have noticed upon ingestion of the seed, but... It's an irritating effect, initially irritating, so you might call it a stimulant effect, but then afterwards I had enhanced vision. Enhanced vision in the sense of, I would say, restoring, restoring uh, natural vision, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Not like, you know, a psilocybin mushroom where you know now I can see 10 miles away or something it's, it's just kind of removing blockages in my sight so I'm gonna pass that around now I have a little bit of the seed tincture fresh seed tincture again it's made with full strength alcohol and this is I think the same age as the last tincture about six six years old Delicious, also. Oh, this is the seed. Yeah, this is just the fresh seed of OSHA.
The rain's coming in. Looks like you're right, Heather. Um, stand up well to drying and hold their flavor and, and I don't think so at all in fact um, it's hard for me to even f I can s there's seeds uh, leaves that smell stronger than others and sometimes I even have to smell a few of them before I'm convinced that it's not poison hemlock because the scent's not so strong occasionally it can be very strong you know, it's that celery carrot spicy aroma angelica um We've actually one of my students one year made a pesto out of osha leaves and it had tasted like olive oil and garlic. It didn't really have any <laughs> any other aromatics to it. And I've put it in soup and I guess that's a tradition in, in parts of the Navajo reservation by the Chuska Mountains where people would have access to osha as they would um, put the leaves into their soup. The seeds could also be used in cooking, similar to cumin, similar family, but it's going to be stronger than cumin, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, when we go by the plants, when you get closer, if any of the non-fertilized ovaries are hanging there dry, you can crush those and smell them, and even the stems, pedestals that they're on, and you'll smell the strong, spicy carrot osha smell on, on those as well. So there's more I could say about the medicine, but I'm thinking what we'll transition into now is the, the harvesting. And what we'll do, I'll initiate, I'll talk about it, get us started, talk about my approach, and then everyone can take turns jumping in and getting their hands in there. Because it, it could take some work. One of the things that's ill-advised about gathering osha in this habitat is that we're in an aspen grove and if the aspen roots are extensive you're going to be reaching around and fighting aspen roots to to dig the osha ideally like that hillside i was talking about in Colorado, uh, an open hillside or i found one place that a friend showed me in arizona and supposedly is like that often in utah that's loose sandy soil actually found it uh, and then the way that it, habit that it grows is going to be a lot different than what we find today. Today's going to be more like a carrot taproot with with extensions from that. Uh, I found it in places where it's like a, a rhizome so you can just kind of pull it up and different uh, basil leaves will be coming up different shoots from 
extended from the same rhizomatous mass. And my the same friend who showed me the other place in Arizona on the sandy soil, he said that uh, in areas of Utah, like a square yard, you can fill up a wheelbarrow with it because it just covers the whole area, it just snakes through the whole area. Like northern Utah? Southern. Southern. Yeah. I would say from the maps that I've seen, not so much from my experience, that Utah and Colorado seem to have the most extensive range of, of this plant. I've seen the most of it in southwest Colorado. Why is it that it, it's so popular as a plant? I mean, the most harvested? Well, you know, the, like I said, there's a, there's a tradition of respect and awe for this plant, and it, it does treat a variety of conditions. Okay. Um, I will get into that some more, but you know, there's a, there's, you could say there's a feeling that it elicits. Okay, so, um, first thing I'm going to do is uh, leave an offering up with one of these plants over here and perhaps what you guys could do is scout out a plant over there with already has yellowing leaves and that looks like at least from above ground is uh, is relatively accessible and open there's going to be small plants that we have to dig up regardless but Ideally, we find one that has non-thorny access from all sides. Yeah, and once you got the loose stuff out, then you guys can step away again and I can do the pickaxe another time. And then I'll do the same thing again. So those are looking like uh, rhizomes 